scene opens up in a dark stone room in a very, very tall tower. This camera is centered on a table with a book. Small bits of arcane energy is coming off the book, and it seems to be some sort of spell book of sorts. The camera pans around the room, and on the northern wall, all that is there is just a simple clock that the hour hand is kind of rattling so it'll move move an hour quickly and then move back and then forward back back, forward back the camera keeps panning around the room and there is a woman in robes slinked up against the wall she's hunched over and she's shivering and her head every every couple seconds just kind of twitches and twitches and she's saying "I, i i don't know how this happened what did i do what did i do what did i do Her head kind of bolts up as if she's got like a sudden burst of inspiration as she's kind of removed from this little temporary trance she was in. And she takes her hand and puts two fingers to her temple and then just like concentrates really hard. And she says, there's got to be a way out. There's, There's a way out. I know it. If the boundaries changed, if the boundaries were less severe, maybe, maybe I can get out. And then... The scene goes to you, and just like before, where you were in blackness as the black dragon from the last episode dies, you go... It's not complete blackness this time, it just gets darker. But you can still make each other out and make out the people who are fighting the dragons you hear. If only the boundaries were less severe. And then everything goes back to normal, and you're still in that same spot you were in. What the fuck was that? Scalarian life. The mood gets a little more conversation. Pendleton Line is glorious. Wasn't always that way. Well, I got bad news about where it's going. What is an escape route's view? I want to go touch it. You want to what? I want to go touch it. Don't touch it. The party must proceed with caution. Reverse sneaky boys. Bum, 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 bum. So, uh, do do Strange beasts are present as the party explores their new surroundings. Almost like a, a victory bell from Pokemon. Ooh. Or an upside down weeping bell. Will the grass be greener on the other side? The enemy of my enemy is still my enemy. <laughs> Listen to find out. Hey everybody and welcome back. This is DM Derek here, bringing you a brand new episode. This one has been one of my favorites to, at this point, record and edit. I had a lot of fun doing it. I'm sorry, once again, that it's a day late. Working till 2 a.m. at my day job uh, sometimes makes it difficult to edit these things, but I will keep on working on getting them out on time or as close to on time as possible. But other than that, I just... I've been thinking a lot while I'm at my day job, and it's really, really cool to be able to come home and work on work on the show, work on the podcast, because it gives me time to not think about that day job, which is keeping me sane a little bit. So anybody who's been making this possible to allow me to, you know, do this show, it's it's been really great. Maybe someday this could turn into like an actual job. Playing D&D for a living would be amazing, and I'm not necessarily expecting it, but having goals and dreams is always a good thing. Just remember, if you like the show, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, uh, check out our website, thisgalorianlife.com. Please, please, please rate us, review us on your podcast apps because it helps us spread the word and get us up on those charts. So if you like what we're doing, tell somebody. Let another person know. With that being said, I present to you episode 23, A Tale of Two Fortresses. Witnessed, a, witnessed and participated in a large battle featuring some stronger characters than you're perhaps used to. So you're back to being Gorgug, Truxton, Cyrix, and Greg. And you are standing on, on top of that cliff top that you watched the battle from. As soon as the dragon dies, the four combatants on the bottom kind of turn their heads and notice you and either 
probably most of them fly. I would imagine. I think you all have probably some ability to fly. Uh, they begin their their approach. Can you give me perception check? As the correct uh, perception check. Yeah. yeah. As, your level, as your level five characters. This is going to get a little weird, isn't it? Eh, we'll see. Fifteen. I got me a seventeen. Okay. What'd you get, Grokuk? Uh, say it. That's not bad. Cyrix, the there's a female paladin, and as she gets closer, yeah, you realize you recognize her. If you take off a couple years and some of the lines around her face from rambling about dragons and whatever living in her fireplace, I'm pretty sure this is a younger version of your mother. Greg, the swordsman, you recognize him as Vision Gloomberg. Now, if I understand this correctly, you, your parents and you didn't get along, so they shipped you to a boarding school of sorts outside of Corvosa, and this man was one of your uh, more prominent teachers in the way of the blade and the forest and whatnot, I suppose. Grogoog. The woman who or who took on the uh, aspect of the angel and was like attacking with like 70 different attacks seems familiar but at this point you can't place your finger on it exactly but you feel like she's somebody you've met before or has been part of your life before and Truxton the gnome gentleman who was fighting you don't like like you feel a connection to him but you don't physically recognize him except if you'll remember that little dream you had where you were the executioner this is the man who looked back at you that you killed hmm. so they approach um, and they all kind of look at you and they're getting like the same feelings as you that they are part like part of your lives somehow but they don't none of them truly recognize you some cases maybe that would make sense like Gregor Pendleton's probably not going to recognize somebody who he's never met because he died several years before he was born and this is obviously a younger version of Uma Pleithor Cyrix's mother so she's not pregnant yet so why would she recognize the daughter she hasn't had yet cause elf fuckery yeah perhaps but Vision, for example, Greg should recognize you because he looks older than when you left. But they just, they don't. But they, they know something's up. You all, I guess, make small talk, kind of talk about how you don't know where you are. They've all kind of just, like, been here for ten minutes and then got attacked, so they haven't really done anything yet. Don't really know the rules, as I guess, as well as you all know them, if you do know them. But throughout the day, one by one, you kind of all get, get to talking and you separate into the groups of, like, people who you feel connected to. Let's do Uma Cyrix first. We really could have used some help with that dragon. I, it, it looked like you, you guys had it under control. I guess you're right. Still um, nasty things, dragons. Yeah, uh, there was one that killed us before we landed here. It killed you before you landed here? I guess I shouldn't... Where, where is here? You it's know, a strange place. I'm not sure. It It's like a dream or something? A vision? Hmm. There's, is there there's any way source someone could have a, uh, like a arcana check or something? An idea of where I am? <clears throat> Give me knowledge arcana. I rolled a three, so I'm just going to say no. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know anything. It's a strange place. Yeah. Um. I don't know if we... I'm sure we haven't been properly introduced. What was your name again? Oh, where are my manners? I am Uma Pleithor. Hmm. It's nice to meet you, Uma. Uh, my name is Cyrix Smith. Um. <laughs> and that's bluff. 25. I'm very good at sense motive. You were yeah. lying to me, young lady. I kind of arched an eyebrow. I rolled a 25! Yeah. I'm a level 20... <laughs> I don't even have a high wisdom, but like you're fucked. So here, here's here's how I'll kind of 
uh, resolve this. You get the sense, Uma, that she isn't telling you the whole truth, but you guys are in such a weird situation that you kind of get the feeling that she doesn't know who she can trust. So that's kind of why she's lying. But you don't sense any, like, malicious intent from it. Or do I? Oh, you don't. Well, Miss Smith, it's good to meet you. These people came with me whenever we showed up here. I'm not entirely sure how I got here either. Yes, you look, um, uh, well. What what do you do for a living? I am a general uh, for the armies of the people of Varicia. I also took, I also partook in the uh, world wound conflict. So, do you have anyone special in your life? At the moment, no. Directing an army leaves little time for romance. Why do you ask, darling? Uh, <laughs> Gorgug raises an eyebrow. Um, <laughs> Gregor raises an eyebrow. I just curious. You remind me of a woman I know, knew once. She's dead now, but she was a little different. You haven't been. You don't plan on being cursed by a wizard or anything like that anytime soon? I hadn't planned on it. I usually don't partake in wizards. They have their uses, but too much baggage. Not as much as sorcerers. So this kind of goes on like that for a little while. Um, yes, Cyrix, this is the first time you've ever really, I guess, spoken to your mother when she hasn't been suffering. So I guess I would imagine part of you is like kind of depressed about that fact, but there's a little bit of closure in your conversations you've had with her. You realize now that she was she was at one point great and good. Maybe there's that in you as well. Grogug, at a certain point, the angelic woman, I guess, banishes her Eidolon and she's just sitting next to the campfire. She's also a, a half-orc. As you spend a little bit time of more time around her, you get a circumstance bonus to that previous perception check and get it high enough to realize that you definitely have seen her before and you feel like she has similar features to the slave girl you once knew. Whether or not it's actually her, you don't know, but perhaps kin or something like that. At a certain point, you you all have the same conversation. Alright, so we're sitting around the campfire. Gorgug is sharpening a sword with a wet, his long sword with a whetstone. Ooh, that's and he looks cause... over at the, at the half-orc and he, that Eidolon's a pretty good trick. Where'd you pick it up? I uh, trained a bit with some magic users. Sounds pretty good aside from the magic user part. Well, you know, it, you do what you have to to get what you need. <laughs> I like you, half-orc. I haven't seen one of my own in a long time. You know, honestly, same. <laughs> oh. And then we sit in silence and eat raw meat <laughs> off the boat. <laughs> How's this dream treating you? We've just shown up. That dragon fight was the first time I'd arrived in this whatever this is. Ah, that dragon killed me once. It didn't stick. That is interesting. So it kills you, but you're alive? Gorgug looks around at the rest of the party and switches his language to orcish. I don't know what this place is. A gnome led us here. Wait, actually, was that thing a gnome there back at the camp? Yeah, he's a gnome boy. Which uh, I'm not sure if you've told been able to tell from your current party member, but those little ones are usually not good news. <laughs> I'm not sure what the rules are here exactly, but they're not the same as in the prime material plane. Yeah, I don't. The smaller they are, the less I trust them. Oh, oh hearty belly laugh. <laughs> he says that loud. And do I do I know you? I feel I feel like I've met you before, and I'm also talking in Orcish. Uh, if you've been fighting for as long as I have, I'm sure. There's a chance we've passed. It's not like half-orcs are too rare on the battlefield anyway. True. That is true. That's me thinking, how would you wind up in this world? I honestly don't really know, you know? Do you have any memories of where you were before this? Just traveling, fighting. A good life. And here's to more of it. And he raises a fine stein of gnome piss. No, it's probably <laughs> probably a beer that we have. I, cl- I clank my beer with him. You know, they say it's good luck to have an angel with you on the battlefield. And in the outfield. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. I used to play on Disney like every other day. So, your your conversation with her, uh, Grogug, I, I think you do realize that this is actually the Lork that you assumed was killed. 
uh, brutally in front of your eyes. Um, I guess it gives you, with your history with slavery, I, it's nice to see whether she's dead or alive or real or whatever. It's nice to see that she's escaped, I guess. Yes, that is the warm thought that Gorgug has at first. And then he rationally calculates that his chronic traumatic encephalopathy has finally fully kicked in. And he's in this world of dreams, suffering from severe brain damage. But he'll enjoy it while it lasts. Don't worry, we'll pull a plug soon. Thank okay. you. You see, Eames, you see a, a gnome. He's kind of uh, bleaching out a little bit. His colors aren't as vibrant as they once were, but you could tell in the past he was very brightly colored with strong red hair and eyes. He's wearing mostly black. He's got the pack of a traveling merchant. He's smoking from a long-stemmed wooden pipe. He looks at you. It's good to see another gnome out here. Yeah, uh, I think that we know each other. Actually, I know that we know. I know you don't know that. What is your name, young man? Uh, Well, let's focus on this first. You're a Pendleton, correct? Well, you'll have to apologize. I'm not used to knowing less than somebody I'm speaking to in conversation. I've never forgotten a face. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. How... What is your... What are you doing? You know, a lot of people have asked me that question over the years, and all I can say is I'm a traveling merchant. I do what I can to support my family. It's not always easy, but... Yeah, I tell people that type of thing, too, but are you... What does the, the Pendleton bloodline look like? Where are you... What time period? His mind cast back. You know, oddly enough, I'm... It's a bit fuzzy. Maybe it's this world we're in. It's as if I belong and don't at the same time. But hmm. the Pendleton line is glorious wasn't always that way. My father and his father before him made many great sacrifices. Well, I got bad news about where it's going. Uh, (laughs) Why do you say that? And in fact, what is your relation to the Pendletons, young man? I am a Pendleton. Name's Truxton. He starts coughing out some of the smoke. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Eames, if you pass the DC5 perception check, you'll notice there's a little bit more than toeback in that pipe. (laughs) Oh, I passed it. (laughs) Hey, you want to pass that over here? Oh, but of course. After all, for one of my own, anything. Toss it over to you. Be careful, it's a long stem. <clears throat> With a DC 10 check, you realize it's just zebra blood. <laughs> Whatever. Smoked worse. So you asked me what the family was. I ask you, what has it become? Oh, what happened? Not, not you, much left. Do you speak well of old Gregor? Hopefully the things I've done have been worthwhile. It's hard being away from family for so long. Uh, yeah, I've been told stories about the... the but you're, you're a little even far back for that, honestly. I, I know that uh, we come from good stock, but unfortunately, at the moment, there's not a whole lot of us left. Oh, if only you had seen your grandmother. Good stock, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one advice I can give you, young man. Don't trust the taller races. Not fully. At the end of the day, the gnomes are the only ones you can really rely on. And even within them, your family's the only one. And remember, uh-huh. always put them first. You can never be at fault if you put your family first. What about Dark Gnome? How do you feel about those? Well, I've run across a few in my travels. They certainly can make for a fun weekend, but follow your heart wherever it goes. Wise words. Now, boy, let's let me see that sword of yours. Perhaps (laughs) I'll teach you a thing or two. Yeah, give me like four attacks. Greg, you recognize the human swordsmaster as one of your old teachers from your... Wilderness Survival School, I guess you would call it. But we really haven't gone into depth. That it was kind of a, it was kind of a uh, boarding school that had a slight survivalist mentality. Greg, it is good to see you. How are you doing, old man? Although you don't look that much older. Worse and worse every day. So why are you here in this? I kind of look around the strange nightmare dimension we found ourselves in. Place. Was that a fucking dragon? Yeah, it beats me. I don't I don't think I've ever encountered a dragon to know what they look like. Greg kind of gets a puzzled look. Didn't you teach whatever? <laughs> but I'm glad to see that uh you still know how to use that sword. Oh, what sword? <laughs> oh. Hold on. I've let me down a sip of my espresso here. I seem to have I seem to have been, I'm a little out of it right now, a little intoxicated. There was a dragon. Oh yes, dragons and my sword, of course. Stabbing them repeatedly. Yes, 
Yes, I'm quite proficient at that. Dragons, big green, scaly, normally. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what is your query again, young man? How the hell did you get here? Oh, uh, I turn up a lot of places. Don't really ever remember how. Hmm. Things have certainly changed since last we met. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I've said, I'm getting older. My mind is going. You understand? Kind of like rub my old middle-aged man shoulders. I'm like, yeah, sure. So, do you know who all these other people are? I kind of gesture to the other uh, people, the giant golden armored lady. Uh, of course. No. No. <laughs> no, of course. You all kind are of you, just popped Are you up all right? Did, did you get a struck on the head while you're fighting? Or... <laughs> well, old man, it was good talking to you. Hopefully you get out of here. No, uh, I'd rather not. You'd rather stay in the nightmare dimension? Ah, it seems pleasant to me. I look around the nightmare dimension, noting how unpleasant it is. <laughs> Right. Well, I kind of look back at my group and see how everyone else is doing talking to their out-of-place timeline fellows. I'm just gonna... I'm gonna go stand over there for a bit. You, uh, don't wander off, old man. Not a problem! Cyrix, Greg, you two finish your conversations with your counterparts a little bit earlier than Truxton and Grogu. So while you're sitting around doing whatever you're doing... Why don't you go ahead and give me uh, perception checks? A solid 26 to start off the... Uh, following my habit of never being able to roll over a 10, uh, 18. Both of those work. You don't know how you didn't make this out before, but there's kind of like this, this greenish tint to everything. Like, it's almost like, pretend you're, like, in a forest where all the leaves are, like, crystalline or something and the sun shines through. Everything's kind of just like mystically green Mm -hmm. but as you scan the your surroundings you see the where the dragon emerged from that little symbol on the ground there is no green tent around it at all in fact it looks exactly like the the real world would but it's a good idea eyes narrow (laughs) are you sure about that I'm just saying we could lightly touch it to see why it looks different, and maybe... Where's Truxton? Truxton, go touch it. <laughs> so go touch it. <laughs> well, I just go over and touch it. Like, Oh, shit. Derek kills us. Greg, what do you do? I'll follow closely, but not too closely. Like, you know, like a five-foot step away. That way I can still use my ranged weapon in case something bad happens. Grogu and Truxton go with you. You all are standing, say, 10, 15 feet outside of it. And Cyrix walks up. And you put, like, a foot inside of the symbol area where everything's kind of, like, magically normal. Mm -hmm. And the second you hit it, you feel this sudden jolt of energy. Okay. And do you have knowledge, Arcana? Um, that's or a good spell, question. Or spellcraft. I do have spellcraft. 23. Just wasted a great 19. The jolt of energy you feel like is some sort of teleportation magic. And this this wave of greenish energy just bursts out from the center of the symbol and catches you and Greg and Grogu and Truxton and you pop out of existence and you pop back in. Uh, What was that? (laughs) Again, what was that? (laughs) You all are, well, not you all, uh, Cyrix, Greg, you wake up in a small copse of trees. You're on your back. But as you stand up, you find yourselves in a small wooded area. But a couple feet in front of you are two large towers. In between the towers are some stone walls with a gate in front of them. But as you look around, you don't see Grogu and Truxton. Oh, all, all you see is this. Thank God. <clears throat> all you see is this massive fort. Is this the fort that I saw in a vision? Uh, I think you only saw the inside of it, so you wouldn't know. Okay. But also no. Okay. <laughs> the fort that you saw in the vision. Oh, fuck yourself, Derek. Heck. But I will say, as you look around, 
uh, about 20 feet behind you, you see that weird green energy again, but none of the fort is cloaked in that. This is all regular, normal, non-green energy. Uh, I'm not in the woods anymore. Well, I mean, you are for a couple feet. I'm not in my woods anymore. So what's what's behind us? The dome. It, it's more forest, but it's that green energy. Okay. What happens if we go towards the green energy? Or do you do that? No. I mean, would Cyrix do that? Probably not, because she if we like if she recognized that everything was green and then went to go touch the thing that wasn't green to like hopefully escape, I would assume she's thinking that the non-green part is like I don't know more real. It is looking rather odd right now. The area where you are is two massive towers on the western side of the fort. They're connected by a high wall with a gatehouse. Ivy just covering it. There's some mushrooms and ferns along the ground where you are. You get the impression that this hasn't been used for weeks just because of the overgrowth. Uh, mm. There are wooden double doors on the gatehouse. They're banded with iron, but one of the doors is slightly ajar. Like, slightly ajar, you don't think you can get through, but it's not. But it is not locked from the inside. Gotcha. Um, but those doors look very, very heavy. Okay, um, I pick up some of the mushrooms from the ground and put them in my pocket so what, for when I meet Truxton later. Okay, he, he would very much enjoy that. Yeah. Of course he would, that degenerate. Well, Greg, uh, we going inside? Kind of look about my surroundings again. Beats standing out here with my thumb up my ass. Nice. Been there before. I kind of narrow my eyes again and shake my head. <laughs> okay, so you guys try to open the door? Yes, I do. Uh, <clears throat> give me a strength check. Ooh, Cirx is first strong. 22! Damn, another 19. Mm-hmm. So that was DC 20, so that check would have been exceedingly hard, but you got it on the first try. So the the door swings, or doesn't swing open, but you push on it, and you get the one side open. Um, I flex my muscles, like the little quadra arrow thing, and so then I move it. And waiting for you inside is some kind of horrifying eldritch monster. (laughs) His name is Tom. He runs the local bingo ring. <laughs> the, FBI, the FBI wants him for questioning involving multiple laundering schemes. Uh, 20. I rolled me up a 16. I think this is the first time I roll a higher perception check than you, William. I mean, I rolled a 3 and I have plus 13, so I'm very upset. I just want that to... <laughs> I want the court to know I am very Let upset. Let the record show. <laughs> Off the record, no, I'm pissed. So from behind you, out of the bushes, emerges a creature that looks like that. And everybody roll initiative. I got an 18. I got a 16. Also, what the fuck is that? If you ask to know more about the creature, I can give you a knowledge check. In this case, it's a knowledge nature check. You got this, Greg? Got a plus eight to this. Feeling pretty confident. 21. This is a plant-like creature. It's like, it's it's all plant matter, and it kind of loops up to the top, forming like a giant mouth on the top, almost like a, a victory bell from Pokemon. Ooh. Or an upside-down weeping bell. It is known as a Bassy Dyront, and I will, with that roll, give you two pieces of useful information. It doesn't have any DR. Yeah, that's always good. <clears throat> it's immune to mind-affecting effects. Noted. Immune to paralysis, poison, polymorph, sleep, and stun. And this particular creature is immune to cold damage. Useful when you're a plant. And it's got an ability called Cold Lethargy. So even though it's immune to it, if cold cold is used on it, it becomes slowed for 1d4 rounds. Okay. Ask if it's if it's weird plant tentacles do anything creepy. I'm not sure I feel comfortable asking that one. Uh, I, well, like... I was gonna there... ask, does it have Go any special attacks, I guess? Yeah, I was gonna yeah ask, that's what I meant. I was gonna ask if it had any intelligence. But it is a plant, so let's go with that. Does it have any special or weird attacks? Like, is it 
Those tentacles, is it going to try to rush in and grapple one of us? No, but it does have special abilities. It's got these spores that it can produce on a successful attack, and they give you, like, a disease-like effect if they take root. And it's also got this ability to, like, release the spores as a cloud, um, which uh, produces a mild hallucinogen. Oh, thanks. Good thing we don't have that fucking degenerate with us. He'd probably be trying to smoke it. So, it is... Cyrix's turn. So if it has no intelligence, it's not going to be affected by, like, the entirety of my kit. (laughs) It is immune to mind-affecting effects, yes. Okay, so... I guess that leaves me with the the good old good old whip. So I'm going to roll the hit. As the kids in my neighborhood once said, whip it real good. And that's a natural one. Off to a good start. Yeah. Greg, it is your turn. Oh boy. Don't roll a one. Now why'd you have to go and say a silly thing like that? Well, I rolled a 12 to hit, or I rolled a 7 to hit, so plus 12 to 19. But I did roll a 1 to damage. And since this is neither a uh, fey or a uh, goblinoid, 5 damage. But yeah, that's still a 1, so. So he 5 foot steps up to Cyrix. And uh, both of you give me a 42 save. It unleashes its weed powers. No! I got me a 23. I also got a 23. You guys are fine. Hell yeah. The plant releases this, like, cloud of spores in about a 20-foot area, but you guys are able to not breathe it in, so you guys are good. I'm gonna roll to hit. I wish to beat its ash. 17. Is a miss. Okay. Did you move or anything? Uh, yeah, I'll take a five-foot step up. Greg. hey Greg. Well, uh, I rolled a 29, but, uh, rolled a one for damage again. So, five more. Chipping away. I'll take a five-foot step and remain behind the woman. And it is its turn. It's because of my strong muscles. Very strong muscle. Uh, and <clears throat> it'll take a slam attack at Cyrix the Mills. What's a slam attack do? It just attacks with his body. If it had a head, it would headbutt you. Uh, 17 on the die. Does oh, that's a, gonna hit. Does an 8. Does a 27 hit? No. Ooh, take 15 damage and make give me a fortitude save. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I got a 14 for my fortitude save. Uh, you are infected with the spores. Uh, you're gonna take some con damage. Take two con damage. So it's 11 now. So you lose your total hit points go down five. So and technically I lose 20 HP. Yes. Down to and 18 HP. Let's do this, motherfuckers. I couldn't agree more. And this boy five foot steps up next to Greg. In between Greg and Cyrix. You little shit. Uh, which puts it at round three and Cyrix's turn. <sighs> Do I have any spells that would affect this motherfucker? Then I'm gonna faint. Okay. It's a bluff, right? Right. Plus 12. Okay, so I got a 30 on my faint. 23. That would hit its regular AC. Seven damage. That is more than Greg's done in two rounds. He did ten in two rounds. Uh, Greg, it's your turn. Right, well, this fucker wanted to run up in melee, and I'm a ranger, so fuck him. Gonna take a bit of a move. You know what? If I'm gonna take a move action and only shoot once, I might as well just move as far as I can. And that provokes an attack of opportunity. Cry me, bitch. Uh, 17 to hit. No. Excuse me while I mute my mic to scream. This is not going well for old Cyrix and Greg. <laughs> Alright, so I'm back. I rolled a nat one. Um, that so would be a miss. Uh, for you? a resounding ten. Does a ten hit? Well, it's a natural one, so it doesn't matter. Alright, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm just like running away like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Just like, and I just kind of shoot a wild shot that goes near it. Okay. And uh, I'm away from it now, and God help it if it wishes to continue this line of inquiry with me. Um, both of you make... It does that the little spore thing again. I gotta make a fortune save again. Well, it's not looking good for 
<laughs> it's not looking good because yeah. we both rolled an eight. <laughs> also, Cyrix, since you took con damage, yours is a seven. Well, okay, it's it's not that big of a deal. No, it's pretty big of a deal. I'm just gonna accept that God hates me now. You all are hallucinating. You both are hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> I rolled a three. So here's what happens. Cyrix, your whip, and Greg, your bow, has turned into a viper. So you have to drop it and flee from the item at top speed for one round. Amazing. Okay. Uh, Cyrix, it is your turn. Fuck you. I drop it and I run off the fucking map. Okay, that's the type of opportunities. A 15 hit. No, it does not. Uh, Greg, it is your turn. Suppose I'm going to drop that bow, run off the map, and I pull out my plus one longsword. <laughs> you know, I really got to get like a backup weapon. <laughs> uh, I believe that's all I can probably do. Brave adventurers. Prepare for your <clears throat> fear of fucking shrubbery. So, so he'll move up. Uh, he'll move up as far. He'll double move as far as he can. He is probably within fifteen feet of both of you. Uh, Cyrix, it's your turn. Cool. Could I cast Psychic Leech? Uh, no, it's mind affecting. Yeah. God damn it! How would not have a single spell? Would glitter dust affect it? Um, I don't think it's. It's not mind yeah. affecting. It's not immune to blind. Nope. Cool, I cast Glitter Dust. Make a will save. Uh, 21. He's very he's, sparkly now and he can't yeah. turn invisible. <laughs> he's <laughs> fabulous. He's fabulous as fuck. He takes a negative 40 to all his future stealth checks. Um, and then if there's a way for me to start, do, do I still think my whip is a snake? No. Okay. Um, if there's a way for me to s go back. Yeah, let's say you can get back in the space. Okay, so I go and I pick up my whip, and then that's my turn. So it is Greg's turn. Oh boy, so uh, back on my feet, scared of my bow, but I got this long sword. I charge it. <gasps> uh, six for 16, I'm guessing. That misses. And it is his turn. He'll take an attack at the person who just charged him. <laughs> Fair. Try me, bitch. Uh, and this boy, in traditional me fashion, had rolled a natural one. Uh, it's just like... <laughs> so he misses, and then he'll he'll move back five foot, five feet to where Cyrix is. And it is her turn. So is this just like two grown people flailing about with a plant, and just it looks just real sad and pathetic from the outside. Okay, um... Yeah. I'll faint again. 14, I assume. That doesn't... Nope, this will be against, uh, regular AC. 22? That's a hit. 7 damage again. Uh, this boy looks like he's on his last legs, and it is Greg's turn. Greg, please! Please! Can I pick up my bow yet? Yeah, it's a move action to pick up your bow. Hell yeah. Stick my sword in the ground, pick up my bow. Alright, you motherfucker. Huzzah! 18, doesn't it? Greg, do you want to know a secret? What's a secret? This thing's AC. Do you know what it is? What? Do you know what it is? Is it 18? Take a guess what it is. I, well, I thought it was like 20, 21. Is it actually like 18? Because that'd make me so happy. This boy's AC is 18. Hell yeah. Now I'm gonna roll minimal damage. No, that was actually, I did, I did, I rolled a three, plus four, seven, seven damage. Uh, he had six hit points left, and he's dead. Thank fucking God. <sighs> Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I kind of pick up the my sword, and I kind of wipe it off on my cloak and sheath it, and I'm just like, this is already off to a great start. So now, let's check in on Grogu and Truxton. You appear in the distance, you see on top of kind of like a cliffside uh, construction of a stone fort. But there's people just kind of chatting and talking. Girl, goo, uh, trucks didn't give me perception checks. This should be pretty easy too, so don't roll one. Uh, 13. So you don't see uh, Cyrix or Greg, and this whole kind of area 
is shrouded in that green green tenting, that green mist kind of, except for the fort that's being built on, on the hill. So there's the people at the campfire, and they're kind of just like talking amongst themselves. What do you do? do I, so I don't recognize any of the people around the fire. You just recognize them as about five humans, but you can't make out like facial features because you're like back in the woods a little ways. You can just make out the flames and the shadows and the fact that there are people. Well, I guess we should approach the fire and see what happens. We can't die here. Hey, look, we die here, we die in real life, which is fine. Or we wake back up in real life, which is less fine, but we're still waking up. So, I, how do you want to approach? Do you want to do it stealthily, or do you want them to... Cautiously, but not stealthily. It looks so much worse than they see you trying to sneak through the woods. And let's be honest, Gorky's not the sneakiest man. <clears throat> so, as, as you approach, you kind of get snippets of the conversation. The man who seems to be leading it in the back... He's just talking, and he goes, Look, it's... I mean, we're building the fort. Don't necessarily know what we're going to use it for yet, but we got to figure it out. I mean, this, this hillside, this could be a very important strategic development for the rangers. Uh, we got to use this thing to the best of its ability. Well, well, I don't know what you want to do, because all we can do is staff it with rangers. just like every other fort in the area. There's no real strategic advantage to that. The, I'm, I'm talking... This thing is on a hill, which means we can dig into the hill. And you know all those things that we like to keep, but we don't really have use for them day to day? Why don't we lock them up in there? Why don't we make this thing like a vault, where those fucking Mulfuni ain't gonna get to them? And then they all kind of look at the guy and go, yeah, that's a good idea. But how are we How are we gonna guard it? And that's when you make your approach. So you, you make out out of a tent that's kind of nearby as soon as the guy mentions uh, guarding it, there's a dwarf and an elf man that walk out. The dwarf has like two large battle axes on his back and the elf has a seemingly magical longbow and they walk out uh, and the elf guarding it should be no issue at all all we have to do is and then his head snaps towards you who are you well stranger we could ask you the same thing for my part i'm gorgug and the little one here sure will pipe up eventually though i think he's afraid of these woods his trucks no much companion i ask you simply ranger are you friend or foe in these woods it depends on what side you're on we are friends to the chansonata rangers the people of Namathos, um, but perhaps enemies to those who wish to bring Namathos down. This is why we, we build Fort Nunder. Well, boy, I suppose that makes us friends. Where we come from, we saved a good number near Mothy from the Iron Fang, and those your bow might be useful against some hobgoblin. Iron Fang? What's a what's an Iron Fang? It's a fine question. It's a Malthoon military unit, mostly monstrous races, hobgoblins, goblins, bugbears. It's hard to believe, but they're even worse than Malthoon is in combat when it comes to casualty. Why would why would Malthoon be employing hobgoblins and bugbears? They're they're all about superiority of their own race. It's you're talking crazy. Give me like a sense motive, Jeff. Add add a plus two because of your history in the Malthoony army. Twenty one. What kind of knowledges do you have? History and religion. Give me knowledge history as well. Natural 20 for a 25. Okay. You get that this elven man and these counterparts are basically spent their entire lives fighting the Multhuni armies and seem to know a lot about them. And it seems very strange to you that they wouldn't know about the Iron Fangs just in general or seemingly from this guy's tone about the monster units at all. Now you get a knowledge history check. And you pass that with flying colors, so you start kind of piecing it together. This fort being built, you heard him use the phrase Fort Nunder. Outside of the dream, that fort has been built for decades. Where you are now, they're just now building it. In fact, though, you know a couple other things. In in the lore of Fort Nunder, there are uh, two names that often stick out, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe from your reading of that ranger journal is where you're getting most of this. There is a dwarven man named Dargret Bohewer and an elven man named Ekteren Fletcher. They are notably trapsmiths who were put in charge of the um, security features of Fort Nunder. He's confused as to why you're talking about hobgoblins being involved in the Multuni army. I don't know what you're talking about, these hobgoblins. It's 
Maybe you all have intelligence that I'm not used to. Or maybe you're pulling my leg? I uh, sure you if I was pulling your leg, it would not be nearly so pleasant. Is this a, is this an elf or a dwarf I'm talking to? You're talking to the elf. What's this fucker's name from the book? Ectorin Fletcher. Hi, Elf Fletcher. What I'm about to say to you is going to be very concerning. I assure you it's all true. This world we're in now is not the real one. I don't know what it is, nor do I know where it is or how it was created. It's not the world you lived in. It's not the world you died in. I was brought here, along with my companions, and we're trying to find our way out. In the real world, this fort's been built for a long time. And I have to say, you did a fine job doing it. <laughs> it killed many Malthoon. But in the real world, in the real time, Malthoons turned any tool they can to destroy Nermathas. Noble or otherwise. That's where the Iron Fangs come from. Like, when you finish talking, almost immediately as you finish, there's like a clap of thunder in the air, and then a strike of lightning off in the distance, but the lightning's kind of weird. Like, it has this reddish tint, and then the world just like flash, quick, quick, quick. Like, blacks out like you had dealt with before. And in in the background, you just feel, you kind of like hear just like a woman crying, but it's like almost instantaneous in your back. And... Oh, God, it gave her a migraine by breaking, by breaking causality. I'm so sorry. Uh, so, so the elf is back, but he's like blank faced almost, um, like not like the doppelgangers, just he's lost his expressions. Um, well, if it's security you all want, I, I say we, uh, build one straight long tunnel to the vault and just pepper the bastards who try to come in with arrows and the dwarf goes no no you got it all wrong you want it to be windy and there'll be dual wielding bladed axe traps everywhere you go and that'll just cut them all to pieces it's it's truly the best way and very very humane if you will but that, that doesn't make any sense you precise efficient don't don't leave a mess that's that's we have to do it the smartest way, not not the most dangerous way. You're fucking crazy, Fletcher. And uh, they kind of go on with that for a couple minutes. Or people will intercede. Gentlemen, if I may not be so brash, why not both? They kind of talk over you, but then, uh, like, they don't notice you're there. But then, uh, from the back, uh, guy with his back turned to you guys, um, goes, Now, gentlemen. I might be so brash. Why not both? And Son recognize of a him. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you recognize that voice, and then everything fades to black again. Cyrix and Greg. At this point, you guys have a couple options. You can continue through the doors of the fort. And keep in mind that the fort had an obvious guardian at the front door. Or you can kind of survey the area around the fort. Well, Greg, I'm going to leave this decision up to you. Uh, you. I'm going to crouch down into a stealth <laughs> and try to like poke, peek inside and see what I see. <laughs> stealth check. Yep, go ahead. I'm not very good at this. 22. How are you not good at stealth? You're a ranger. I'm not that kind of ranger. So, from in between the cracks of the door... Not looking forward to whatever the fuck those things are. You look forward, and there's like this little campfire um, kind of thing. And there are these creatures who are dancing around the fire, holding bottles of what presumably is alcohol. Are those uh, the, the maybe they're friendly? Are those the crudes? Yeah, they're the crudes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> give me knowledge nature checks. Oh, that's not good. I think I have knowledge nature. William, add plus two to your roll. Well, a hot dog. That's a twenty-five. <laughs> I got a twenty on my on my nature roll. I'm slightly offended that they have kills. These are creatures known as Kored. They are fey creatures. And one thing I'll tell you is that they are generally very perceptive, but they are multiple sheets to the wind right now. Very, very drunk boys. Currently uh, having some drunken revelry. Yes. Things you know about them. They How aggressive are they? 
I mean, in the drunken state, you can't generally tell, but um, they aren't evil, so they don't wouldn't necessarily attack on face generally. Um, they have these these beards that are made of hair that uh, well, thank they God can, they're not made of something else that they can animate and do certain tasks with. If they laugh at you too hard, it can cause. Do they have vicious mockery laughs? No, it's called stunning laugh. Three times per day as a standard action, the Korad can unleash a strange laugh that stuns all creatures within a 30-foot burst for 1d2 rounds. A fortitude save negates. Um, anything else you want to know? Um, not necessarily mean. Um, I need to know if Sirius has any booze on her. Uh, I mean, probably... Uh, give me perception checks. Do we have to? Yeah. 22. 17. Man. Okay. I don't <laughs> so, 13, God. Ding dabbly do. Reveal a little bit more of the area. All over this courtyard area, there are bunches and bunches of bottles of liquor. I mean, these are fey and they can hold their beverages down. But, uh, you... This has been going on for some time. So, the other things you notice is you get kind of a layout of the camp in general. To the northern end, there has... One of the walls has been clearly destroyed that you could have basically just walked through uh, in the rubble. And there are four towers uh, around the general... Fort. Each has a door, except for the tower by the rubble. Uh, the door's been been destroyed, more or less, and in the stairs that go up that tower have also been destroyed, so there's no real way to get into that one. Um, and then there's a big... On the back wall, in between the back two towers, there's a uh, third building that probably is like, where people just like hang out and drink and eat and train and whatnot. Right. So J3 on the map is where the Korads are getting lit. Uh, J2 is the rubble. J4 is the stable. We think they're pretty far gone on the on the drink, right? Definitely. Uh, Otherwise they would have heard us coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you also, from the knowledge nature check before, know that this is kind of thing they do mm-hmm. they their alcohol tolerance is very good unlike certain <laughs> neither of us have any alcohol to offer them i know i don't carry any i mean i feel yeah i probably wouldn't have like one other thing any alcohol would be of the flask variety yes you see those rocks that are kind of just like on the ground yes most of them are stained on top a very very bright red color. It seems to be blood. Oh, I'm not no. sure how I feel about that. Oh. Uh, Things are getting worse and worse. But it's it's also that does not make it that much better. Greg, what do, you, do we see any bodies? Probably not. They probably ate them. So we could. Like I'm a very charismatic person. I could we could we could win them over. But I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know what to do here either. What's the best what would be the Is it to medicate me to ask what their challenge rating is? <laughs> uh give me <clears throat> intelligence or wisdom check. I can do wisdom. Uh seriously. Like, on, real- like on a scale of uh Gremlin to uh, Jabberwock on the face scale. Where do these... Oh, hey, nat 20 for 23. Where do these... Where do these drunk boys fall? Uh, with just a... With a 23, you don't know if just the two of you can take them in a fight. I mean, obviously we got fucking <laughs> murdered by their shrubbery outside, so... You think it would be super easy to just kind of sneak around them and explore some of the other areas of the camp, maybe. So I'm curious about what's in these towers. I say we sneak to the one that's closest to the door, 
And if they catch us, I'll seduce my way out. Ooh, sexy. I kind of just give you a look. <laughs> and then I kind of look at the te- look, glance back inside and look at the six horrible drunken idiots. And I'm like, I pray for your sake, the sneaking one. Okay, that's what we do. So you want to go to the one of the closer towers, north or south? I'll I'll leave that up to to my ranger pal here. Well, I'm not a fan of Dixie, so let's go north. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought Greg would be a fan of Dixie. Make make stealth, make stealth checks. That is the score that I am okay at. Thirteen. Fourteen. Craig passes. Move your. Well, both of you had to pass it. Move yourselves in front of the door to the tower you want to go into. Okay. I'm just going to be fucking trekking in this tower. Go ahead. The Corred in the back all of a sudden sits up, lurches forward, and moves to the front of the pack and goes, Everybody! Let's dance! <laughs> and he doesn't. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Open the door very quickly again. <laughs> you don't want to see the fade dance. It's a horrifying sight. I believe they refer to it as a helicopter dick. <laughs> oh, I've experienced that. Oh, no. Both IRL and in game. Jesus Christ. Get inside this tower. <laughs> we go inside the tower, shut the door real quietly. Oh. We're, very, we're very sneaky boys. Bum, 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 bum. So, uh, no. <laughs> bum, <laughs> so you enter the room. Two weapon racks stand in this room, although they contain no weapons instead. Short strips of grayish leather stretch across them. Staircases in the south, and the wooden door leads to the east. The stench of carrion fills the room. Um, give me knowledge local checks. I have that skill. I'm weirdly not good at this skill. I got a 17. 17. 17. Uh, the leather is kind of weird. And grayish is kind of a strange color for the leather to be. It's human skin. But Cyrix, the mesmer, yes. realized that this skin is hobgoblin skin. Oh, maybe we can get along with them. Greg, I've got some great news about that creepy-looking shit over there. What's that? Imagine the worst thing in your life. It's goblins, right? Yeah. Now imagine that skin being goblin skin. I kind of, like, narrow my eyes. (laughs) I I am conflicting here because I don't like the fae either. Hmm. The enemy of my enemy is still my enemy. (laughs) No, I, I thought it was the enemy of your enemy is your friend. An ally of convenience, at least. Or at least a potential fuck buddy. A potential what? Uh, nothing. Let's uh, go deeper into this uh, tower. Right. A creature starts emerging from the steps. It looks like a... Oh, fuck, a red cap. A what? Kind of like a... Oh! Um, like a gnomish creature... Uh, with Traxton! A, with, with a Santa Claus beard and a Santa Claus hat and a large scythe that <laughs> is larger than it is. Knowledge nature checks. 16. Oh, 15. Oh, wait, is, no, that's actually a 17 because it's a fae. This is a fae creature known as a red cap. The basics you know about these things is that their hats are normally white, but they murder things and then use the blood to stain their caps red, which is why they're known as red caps. Yeah, they're gross weirdos. And roll for initiative. Ooh, that is a very high seal. He just jumps down the stairs and he's like, you've been gnomed. And then he stabs you. (laughs) You done got red caps. Also, you don't want me to roll a 20. I rolled a 20. I rolled a three. Who's laughing now? Plus one initiative. <laughs> so it's Greg's turn. And this is a fake creature. Which means I get plus two. That's plus nine for both these. Hold on. My roll 20 is right there. Hey, that's a 19 for a 28. Uh, that should hit. 
All right, um, and I will shoot my other arrow, which rolled a nat one. Fun fact about red caps, they're very, very, very easy to hit, but if God help you, if they hit you. All right, that's a three plus six for nine. Uh, give me a perception check. He didn't give a shit. What? Like, you, you shot him with a bow and 17. Okay, I got a natural 20 for perception. Uh, he Ooh. didn't give a shit. Yeah. That didn't seem to do any damage. Maybe we should just let him have this tower and we should go check out a different one. But this boy is his turn. He's just like, I'm here to get home, yeah. You don't have a plus two weapon, do you? No. Okay, well, he'll charge at the fellow who has shot him. The 15 hit you, Greg. No. Okay. Uh, it's turn. Okay. Um, I'm going to faint. 17. Uh, gets it exactly. 15 hit his flat AC. Uh, you just barely missed. Wait, really? Yeah, you just barely missed. Flatfoot 16. Greg, it's your turn. Flatfoot step away. Two arrows. Go for it. Oh, God. Well, that's another nat one for 10. <clears throat> but then an 18 for 27. Uh, that one hits. Oh, hot diggity damn dog. Fucking take 13 damage, you little shit. He took some damage on that one. Oh, um, I don't know if I said it, but I am staring at him, so he's going to take a negative one to his... Two to, yeah, negative two to his attack rolls. I'm protecting you as best I can, Greg. He'll five foot step up. And I'm going to put the power attack on. Let's see what happens. God damn, that's a natural three. He misses. But he five foot stepped. So he swings at, sings, swings at you with his... A uh, scythe that is very clearly oversized for his body. Tiny little body. Takes an attack with his little tiny foot and he kicks you. Uh, mm. That's a natural for <clears> me. <throat> oh, well, I'm gonna fucking die to a shin kick. <laughs> uh, does a 13 doesn't conform. Confirm. No, it does not. Whatever you do, don't tell my wife I died like this. Take. Eight damage. Sorry. Ow, that hurt quite a bit. Uh, Cyrix. Okay. Take a stuff. Get that flanking. Oh wait, yeah. I have a bow. Never mind. Don't. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, I am going to use a swift action to intimidate him. To that way, he takes another negative two to his will save. Okay. Eighteen. Uh, you miss it. Okay. Um, then I'm gonna hold off on that action that was attached to that, and I'm just gonna roll straight hit. Okay. And I'm fucking useless. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> it's okay. Tell my, uh, don't, that, that I don't got anyone in my life, so, uh, I'll just die alone. It's cool. <laughs> Maybe it's you cool. guys should have attacked that crowd of six little corrits. Greg's her. Oh, yes, because the action economy would have been so much better. Five foot step back. Uh, 17 for 26, and then 5 for 14. Hit, miss. Then damage. No damage. What? How could you do this to me? And it's his turn. Just let him kill us so we can just fade to black. <laughs> this is all part of the dream, right? Have you guys that been hit dream? yet? Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> he got that kicked. kicked. <laughs> that kick hurt like a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it did eight damage. I wish I knew how to kick someone so hard it did eight damage. <laughs> he swings his scythe at Greg. Um, 18. Nope. He swings his kick at Greg. There's another natural 20. That's another natural 20 on the kick. I hate you. <laughs> You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and to confirm, it's an 11. I mean, you can only hit on a 20, and he's done it twice. <laughs> I lose on the kick. Uh, <laughs> 10 damage. That's max damage on the kick. I'm at 12. <laughs> Craig, I'll tell your wife that you love her. We don't have any healing. We're fucked. Okay, um, I'm gonna roll the faint. Natural 20 on the goddamn fate. I can hit versus touch, I see. Now's where it all falls apart. 
25! Uh, that hits. 18 damage. Uh, not all of that went through. He looks a little bit more hurt than he did before. Alright, here we go. Five foot step and give him two arrows. Xerix! Xerix, help! I'm working on it! Ah, uh, here we go again. A 17 for 26 and a 4 for 13. Hit, miss. This is starting to get a little, uh... Make little... it more than 10. 11 damage? One damage. It's that boy's turn. How are we supposed to win this? He'll five foot step down and attack Sirix. Thank God. <sighs> Although you're not looking so hot, are you? Nope. Uh, I, I take up. I take a minus two to attack. Yes. Um, twenty-two. That definitely hits. I'm only rolling d4s so for damage, so don't worry. Greg. Yeah, two d4. <laughs> this guy gets it. Greg, tell Grokuki still owes me ten gold. Fifteen damage. I am gasping for breath right now. I have three HP. Uh, this would be a fun place to end the episode. Does an 11 hit? No! Okay. Uh, Cyrix, your turn. You gotta end the combat right now. Uh, you can't put that on me. You got them spells. Okay, I'll, gonna, I'll do swift action. I'll roll to intimidate. Go for it. 28. That gives it. Okay, he's gonna take a negative four to his will save, and I'm gonna cast. God, I don't have any fucking damaging spells. Um, is there? We rolled good knowledge, nature. Is there anything that he'd be afraid of? Okay, yeah. I don't think silent image creates death. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give you this because it's it's fun. <laughs> Redcaps hate gods. Any god? If a foe spends a standard action presenting a holy symbol, any redcap you. Any red cap that can see the creature must make DC 15 will save it. Frightened for one minute, they attempt to flee. So any holy symbol? Any. Any holy symbol of a good aligned god. Of a good aligned god. For some reason, I feel the urge, silent image, to cast, to, to create the image of the symbol of Caden Callion in my hand. And I extend it the red cap. So this is a DC 15 will save. And he's taking a negative four. This might affect the entire combat since you don't have all four of you. Are you ready? It's a DC 15. I'm at minus four. He's got a plus seven. <sighs> so now he has a plus three. Now he has a plus three. So 12 or higher on the die. And he kills both of you. <laughs> You want to know what I just rolled? Eleven. And eleven. <laughs> and that's the end of our broadcast week! God damn it all. I actually rolled a six, but I thought it would be more dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, I mean, at least you failed either way. <laughs> This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Incorporated. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com forward slash community use. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. Iron Fang Invasion is copyright 2017. Iron Fang Invasion and the Pathfinder Adventure Bath are trademarks of Paizo.